Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Hi, Jenny. How are you doing? It has been a long week, but I am so excited to get together for this special episode. Yes, we got so lucky. We got a special guest blog post. Absolutely. And we don't do a lot of blog posts, but I bet we'll do more of them in the future because it's another great way to get um, more voices into the mix, which is always the goal. Yeah. Before we talk about that, why don't you tell us what you've been up to? Oh my goodness. So mostly recently, I've been doing a lot of test sewing or being asked to do test sews or um, other types of sewing. So uh, Chris Wood Sews is releasing a new pattern at the beginning of June, and I've stitched up two and I am getting started on the third. And I am super excited for this mystery pattern I can't even properly describe. If you check my Instagram feed, you'll uh, no doubt find a few pictures that are just tiny hints about what may be to come. Um, this one is exciting. It's the first time I've been a fit model for anything. Um, Chris sent me a already created, uh, muslin out of muslin and, uh, I got to try it on, take some pictures, explain what seemed right and what seemed wrong to me and then send it back. Um, and Chris, of course, will have done this with other models as well. Um, and then, uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks later, um, received the call that said the pattern's on its way. And this is the basics of the sketch for the garment. And this is kind of the amount of yards I think you need. This is the compensation. Are you interested in sewing up some tests? I'd love it if you shared pictures, but I'm really just looking for the tests. And I agreed immediately because I, I do, I mean, I'm intrigued by the idea of zero waste sewing, right. but in addition to that, I really do enjoy a lot of the looks that Chris gets out of these garments. Now, some of that I think can be attributed to the fact that Chris is relatively thin and it is an aesthetic that is most commonly represented on relatively thin bodies. Mm. Um, but I have found that for a number of the garments, I can get a look that I think is really attractive on my body as well. So um, I was excited. I stitched up my very first one and thought, oh yeah, this is a winner. I love it. Here are the things I'm going to change when I make it, <laughs> which for me means uh, lifting the, there's a seam on the back, lifting the back seam to cover my bra, <laughs> which is an absolute necessity because my, my um, chesticles uh, droop quite a bit without a bra. And so, and so in order not to experience that band of sweat, I do have to have one. Um, and then on the side, same thing for where the sleeve area would be. I um, am lifting that seam a, a little bit, making it a little longer so that I am more likely to cover more of my bra there. Outside of that, though, it's, it is for me an absolute perfect fit and gives the look that I'm looking for. I am on my third one. This will be the first one I'm doing from a not recommended fabric. Mm. So I'm excited to see what happens. And the first one where I'm going completely rogue, I will be um, making this one, I believe, floor length. I am not sure this is a dress that is meant for that. So it may be a disaster, but I will have so much fun finding out. When you test something and you say, I raised the back so that it would cover my bra or the sides or wherever you raised it, is that something you relay to the person yes. there? Or do you consider that your own special... Um, you know, there's certain adjustments that you probably always make in patterns that maybe not everyone would need to make. 
So in the in the case of this garment, I think as it's designed, it is not intended to come up as high as a back as a bra strap would on my body. Okay. And so what I did was make the first one, make my comments on what I thought were fit relative to the sample model I had been shown. And then I responded after I'd sewn up the the first one, I said, and when I do this again, and I will, these are the adjustments I'll make, and this is why. And that gave the designer the opportunity to say, oh, hadn't thought about bra straps in the back because I don't wear a bra or whatever the reason <laughs> might be. And to decide to include that or not, mm-hmm. either as part of the pattern, like in a case like this, where it's all measured rectangles you sew together in a particular way, it would it would be something she might choose to include as PS, you can always close that one up a little more if you want to hide a bra or just ignore it and assume people can figure that out on their own. So I do I do offer that feedback. Okay. Most commonly when I test things, the feedback I have to give is about my wings mm-hmm. and the arm side. That's usually the place I find I run into trouble because I am I am uh, small at my high bust compared to my waist and hip size. And as you grade down my body, it can be hard to figure out what you should do with that arm sigh. And so I nearly always have to drop it. And I don't know enough about how they're intending the pattern to be used to know whether that's a problem with the arm sigh length or a problem with my body relative to the design. I see. You know, because it could go either way. So I do provide that feedback, even though I don't, I I do mention that's a common adjustment for me. It's not an always adjustment. I don't have to do that on cashmere patterns ever, but their block is close to my size and short-waisted. And so there are reasons why I don't think I have to do it. I think it's drafted for the bust and the, the underarm that I have. So, but I would offer that feedback typically, yes. So then you've also (laughs) been testing for your bikini. And my bikini makes me so excited. So I'm going to keep mentioning it because Paprika Patterns put this out and they put beautiful, amazing me right there in the advertising. But I was tagged, sort of, I wasn't tagged. I There was a new post on Facebook in the group where I heard about the opportunity to either be a fit model, a test, um, test sewist, or a model model. And as I think I've mentioned before, I volunteered, volunteered, I offered to be paid only to be a model and ended up being a test and a model for for the garment. And uh, someone else posted in the thread and said, super disappointed that a person of color was not selected or a black black indigenous or person of color wasn't selected to be one one of the advertising models for this. And I responded and said, oh my gosh, you know, is that ethically something I need to start adding? to my list of requirements when I accept a modeling job. Is that a thing I need to reach out about? And um, I think in the future, it is something I'm going to reach out about. So the next opportunity that came my way the following day, I know has a diverse model pool. And so I'm comfortable with accepting that that modeling offer because I have an, another one coming up for a different company. But it but it raised the point and the, and the uh, Black model who who raised the question of not having been accepted and saying they were disappointed immediately said to me, no, no, that's in no way your responsibility. But I, I think that comes down to allyship in the same way that I am asking as a fat sewist that straight size sewists be my ally in getting pattern companies to address my needs. I think 
I have an opportunity by being fabulous, fat over 50 model <laughs> to use what, what power I have in that position to say, actually, I'm really not comfortable with this unless there's also someone who's black indigenous or a person of color being represented in this space because they are as old people are underrepresented. So this is, um, this is interesting too. This reminds me of, um, so it's, it's about using your privilege, right? Yep. Um, and, um, Francis Collins, who is the head of the NIH, um, is asked to speak at lots of conferences. And a couple of years ago, he put out a statement and he will no longer speak at any conference where the number of women speakers does not match the percentage of the women attending the conference. So in general, like the conferences he attends probably has about 50% women attending, but maybe only 10% of the speakers are women. And that's a way that someone who is in a position of power, he recognizes that people want Francis Collins to speak. It's not his fault that they didn't ask women to speak, but he's saying, if you want me to speak, you have women speak too. And I think that's essentially what you're doing. Yeah. And um, I think that's great. I think that's that same idea. And it's something I've had kind of in the back of my head, but I haven't really thought about, about bringing into practice, probably for a lot of complicated reasons. So there's, there's still that feeling that when you're asked to model for something, something in you goes, oh my gosh, I'm worthy. Mm -hmm. And so, so risking that feels scary. And I think that's certainly a part of it. I think another part of it feels like, do I really have standing to make this request? And I think the answer is anybody who who's interacting in this way has standing. You can make that request, right? I also think, though, that you should recognize that you are an underrepresented model. I am, but my barriers to representation are lower than the barriers that a Black, Indigenous, or person of color model may face, particularly in the fat sphere, and the old sphere, as you know, there's still going to be more fat old white ladies than there are fat old black women or fat old indigenous persons, right? It's it's just the way it it's tends to shake out. Contrasting so, that with the with the comparison to Francis Collins, that uh, yes, that he's got a, a young skinny white woman. Yeah. <laughs> in modeling, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got total power here and it's mm -hmm. good that he's he's using it in that way. And that's what I, with what power I have, right. I, that's what I'd like to do. And so I'm going to try and put that into practice moving forward, um, which I thought was was kind of an, an, a neat idea that had occurred to me, but had not occurred enough that I was like, this is my new practice. Yeah. And so I was excited almost immediately after having that conversation to have the opportunity to put it in practice. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm I'm not nearly popular enough that I'll get to do this a lot. <laughs> but Beverly, I am telling you, I may make a thousand dollars this year off of modeling, which would be which would blow my ever-loving mind. Um, if you wonderful. could go back and tell 16-year-old me that I would ever make a penny modeling, much less a whole thousand dollars. She would be gobsmacked. She'd be like, yeah, no, that's not a future you're really talking about. This is all made up. So, so it's quite exciting. Cool. <laughs> so everything I want to talk about, I can't really talk about, I guess. It's really the upshot there. <laughs> what have you been doing? Well, I've been, I've been sewing a lot. One of the things I wanted to talk about 
I don't think I mentioned last time finishing the Concord tea. I mentioned that I bought the Concord tea pattern mm-hmm. from Cashmerette and um, I, but I have made it. It fits me very nicely. I did want to talk about something I heard on the sewing for the weekend podcast, Nina, who is the, the daughter of the two on that podcast. Right. Um, had made the Concord tea before in the old size band. She like me is in the middle range where, and generally this happens to me. I'm a size where when a company expands their size, when they have two blocks, I can generally fit into both blocks. So I'm the middle one. And what I have done in the past is a lot of times not cashmere because they, they do things differently, but in other pattern companies, the larger size one has a D cup and the smaller size has oh, a yeah. D cup. So I chose the larger size band because it has a D cup, but right. there's a very big difference in the block besides the cup size. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, this is really important. I think that sometimes people who maybe are size 18 or 20 can't quite see the advantage of when sizes are expanded. However, the block is completely different when you have something that was maybe started at a size eight and went up to a 20, because that has less, less softness in the back. And in the, like, I think that's a lot of times why when I get something in the bigger size range, it it drops too low on me because my, yeah, fill it out up in the top area. So I think it's really important. And I think the truth is when there are two size bands like that, now in cashmere patterns, you can get different cup sizes at any size. Right. You don't have to have, like you can have an F cup in a size four or a, you know, a C cup in, you know, a size 24. Um, you can have, you can mix that up however you want. And in those patterns, I'm good using the cup size associated with the size. But when I see a pattern, for example, that has like the Anna dress that I'm using from By Hand London, the smaller size range is size B cup, mm-hmm. the larger size range is size D cup. So I figured, oh, I can fit into the smallest size of the large size band. I'll get that because I have a D cup, but I got it and it's too big. Right. So what I need to do is do the smaller size band and actually still do the full bust adjustment. Right. Because it's it's it really shows you how different it is to have two blocks versus just one block that's been expanded, expanded, or brought down. Either way, it, it kind of depends on the. I mean, curvy is a good description, right? There's a more curve in the larger size band like all over in the shoulders, in the back and everything. So anyways, it was kind of made clear to me, but that Concord T does fit me because I bought the smaller size band of it. And it, it just makes you want to buy more t-shirts now, right? <laughs> no, I do not need to buy any more t-shirts. I have too many. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I know you also sent me a, a link noting that Doe and Deer has received their new larger block which is the which is just amazing and to look at the block and see visually what it is they're talking about for expansion it makes me excited for the possibility it's it's another one of those companies that's always stopped well short of my measurements and it's it's nice to see that the future looks bright well they got in a little trouble this last um 
don't know, maybe it was in fall. They came out and said, oh, we're expanding our size range. And they added three sizes available PDF only, you know, kind of thing. We really reached out. And of course, that um, that means they didn't do a new block, right? <laughs> right. But I have to hand it to them. There was a lot of feedback from fat mm-hmm. sewists who said, bullshit, this is not expanding your sizes. This yep. is three sizes. It's nothing. That's not, that's not, we're not going to celebrate you for that. And they, they heard it and they made a whole new block. And so now they have the, the two block system. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's nice to see a French company making that kind of an expansion. So it is, it is. it'll, it'll be um, wonderful when it finally comes to fruition. And I know the post you shared seemed really enthusiastic about it, which is not always the case. So that's really exciting. What else are you working on or interested in? Well, I am almost finished actually with my Fibromudana, which is, that is so me. It has a belt you can use with it. It has a square collar. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I told you before, it's kind of like that Muna and Broad tent style dress, I guess. Yeah. The Huan. Yeah. Yes. But it, but it has a, a square neckline. Like I said, I'm just let, I just can't wait to have to, to walk around and float in it. I bought tensile denim for it. Yeah. So it looks like chambray and it feels like, you know, tensile rayon, very silky. It's a pain in the ass to work with. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, it does what twill weaves do, right? It falls apart. Yep. Um, and the, the slinkier fibers of tensile versus cotton make it really fall apart, but I'm keeping it together. So I, I can't wait <laughs> to wear that. And then I have the, the surprise thing for our reveal, which I'm still not going to tell you about because I'm so excited. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see my, um, my taffeta came in for my dress. And it's here. It is not the same color as my prom dress. It is in the same family, but it is not the same. Um, but that's okay because I'm much older now. And surely what, I just what color is it? It's a teal, sort of a tealy blue or tealy. Uh-huh. It's more the blue side of teal than the green side. Uh-huh. And um, it's got it's got a dark teal going one direction on the weave and a lighter teal the other way. So when you move, it sort of shimmers a little kind of a little bit of a, a color shift on it. That's on the cool. website, it looked more like it was a much darker teal to a lighter teal color mm. shift, at, which was more like my my <clears throat> prom dress, but but it, it's a little bit lighter than that, maybe a little more grown up than that. We're going to call it sophisticated. <laughs> I'm very excited by it. I have not cut into it yet, and the end of my month starts to get busy, and we're recording this on the 13th. One week from now, I'm out of town for the weekend, which really limits my sewing. My older granddaughter made the AB honor roll for the first time um, and then made it two more times before we could give her a treat for it. And so we are we are traveling with her to a Bucky's a Bucky's gas station (laughs) in Georgia to spend the night and uh, take her to experience this gas station because that is so her. She loves a good convenience store. So we're going to take her there. And let her spend $20 on treats. And then we're going to take her to the fabric store and I'll let her spend $20 picking out fabric 
that she'd like me to make her something with. And then we're going to go to a really amazing used book and media store and let her spend $20 there on, because that's three different AB honor rolls, spend $20 there on books or figurines or whatever she'd like. And we'll wrap it all up with an all-you-can-eat meal at a Brazilian uh, steakhouse. So we're, we're going to do that, but that does limit my sewing that final second to last weekend of the month. And so I may just squeaker at the very end, getting mine done just in time for the reveal. So, so we should tell people too, to be on the lookout for things in our stories for when we should have our prom. Absolutely. Um, we'll have to come up with some choices that people can do and see what people say. It's going to be absolutely amazing, assuming we can pull this off. And I have total faith in us in spite of, well, my bumbling with the live feeds when we record them each month. I'm certain that if we add a lot more people, it will go much better. Oh, yeah. So that seems obvious. Um, so I'm very, very much excited about that. And uh, I think yeah, we also had a comment to share from, oh, right. um, so, yeah, from our most recent episode, right? Yes. We had talked about that you had figured out a way to tr- transform an A4 pattern. Mood only does A4 right. and not A0. So you figured right. out a way to turn, or actually, I don't even think they do A4. I think they only do US letter. Yeah. Anyway, to do letter into A0. Yeah. Into A0. Well, I tried it and I, I was confused by what you had said, which um, I thought I could do it. Anyway, this person, her name is also Jenny. She left a comment on our website that said that a company called Sublime Graphics, G-R-A-F-X, is a woman-owned printer that will take your letter slash A4 patterns and put them together and print on A4 for you. So you give them the what mood gives you, essentially, and they will convert it. Now, there's a little fee for that or whatever, but I'm willing to pay that if if they'll do that. So they do their pricing a little different for the printing of the product, but it's a you don't have to pay per page. So I think it's like 10 bucks for to right. print it, but it's I don't know. Anyway, so Sublime Graphics will link that for show notes and in case people want to check it out. I'm not endorsing it because I've not used it before, but this Jenny said she has. So, well, that's that's amazing. I know I would, in spite of the fact that I think I figured it out and got a usable product at the end, I would delightedly pay someone a fee so that I never have to do that again. <laughs> um, so I just know that what I don't want to do is tape it together. That's really the entire purpose of my attempt is to simply not be the one who has to tape the damn thing together. So, yeah. So yeah, that sounds amazing. Okay. Well, we've come here today to talk about Emery. Absolutely. So uh, Emery A. Smith is the Instagram handle of an amazing non-binary fabric designer who is also a sewist artist parent and as self-described dapper enthusiast. (laughs) And uh, as we started to move our way through Glam Month, we knew what we'd really love to have is a contribution from them regarding what a dapper enthusiast would view as uh, as an approach to a glam month. And uh, Emery did not disappoint. Um, if you follow Emery, and if you do not, you should. 
um, you would find that they have a feed that is filled with waistcoats and vests and amazing button-down tops that look crisp and perfect each and every time, as well as the fabrics that they design used in a variety of different ways for themselves or their children. And so it's it's a really great feed. And uh, Emery took some time to write a, uh, a blog post for us, which we'll have on the website as well as contribute some photos of an amazing waistcoat they made recently. Beautiful. Yeah. I also took a little time and went to Emery's linked website from Instagram. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of different areas where Emery has sites. One of them is Spoonflower and the fabrics are beautiful. A lot of galaxy prints, which I absolutely mm-hmm. love. I also went to their Etsy profile and there's amazing amount of work in there and and choices there. A lot of galaxy themed things there. Also original art, not just prints, which I love. Yeah. And finally, they also have a Redbubble a shop, a Redbubble shop with lots of choices for great products designed by Emery. So I hope that our listeners will go check it all out. And read what Emery's written on our website and also go check out what Emery has to offer. Absolutely. The one caution I'd offer on Spoonflower is um, generally speaking, black prints, things with very dark backgrounds, do better on non cotton surfaces. So when you go off to order those fabrics, keep it in mind. If you do order them on cottons, um, just be prepared that jet black may be more slate black than jet. And it's not bad. It's still a beautiful design. Everything about it is amazing, but temper your expectations if it's on a cotton. And this is not uncommon across fabrics, right? That's a thing that can happen, but particularly with Spoonflower, I've noticed that. Uh, Emery's designs are also available in small shops. When you follow their feed, you'll their business feed you'll find that they advertise sometimes when someone's in collaboration with them releasing those those fabrics elsewhere um often in the uk but um but that's that's also an amazing alternate resource for getting those not printed on demand but but where you can order them off the shelf so that's wonderful absolutely all right well it's been great chatting with you on this bonus episode. Absolutely. Yeah. And the next one, our next episode is with with Florence Taylor. See See you you next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.